Hi, my name is Stephanie, and I'm going to be reading from Titus 3.3 to 3.11. At one time, we too acted like fools. We, did not, we didn't obey God. We were tricked. We were controlled by all kinds of desires and pleasures. We were full of evil. People hated us. Oh, we wanted what belongs to others. People hated us, and we hated one another. But kindness and love of our, of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. It wasn't because of the good things we had done. It was because of his mercy. We were born again. The Holy Spirit gave us new life. God poured out the Spirit on us freely. That's because of what Jesus Christ our Savior has done. His grace made us right with God. So now we have received the hope of eternal life as God's children. You can trust this saying. These things are important. Treat them that way. Then those who treat then those who trust in God will be careful to commit thing to commit themselves to doing good. These things are excellent. They are for the good of everyone. But keep away from foolish disagreements. Don't argue about family histories. Don't make trouble. Don't fight about what the law teaches. Don't argue about things like that. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't help anyone. Warn anyone who tries to get believers who separate from one another. Warn that person more than once. After that, have nothing to do with them. You can be sure that people like this are twisted and sinful. Their own actions judge them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Stephanie. Good morning on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Um, I am Kim Foster. My husband and I were missionaries uh, for this church for 10 years, uh, just ended in in April. Um, Holidays are often a mix of celebration and mourning. And so when I think about Thanksgiving, I think about growing up in the Central Valley. It's an agricultural community. And so Thanksgiving um, kind of signaled the end of harvest. And so there was, <laughs> when my friends got to come and do things again, um, and uh, it, it was just a time of being thankful, not only for the harvest, but for like everything that God had given to us. As a kid, I learned in school the positive side of Thanksgiving, um, kind of the first Thanksgiving and that kind of stuff. But later I learned about the darker side, um, where Native Americans were not only selling their land to settlers, but just some of the trickery and the stealing and murder um, and some of the effects of that that we see today. So when I think of Thanksgiving, there's this this mourning side also. Um, I love our country, but there's also this part of of a sadness that I also feel when I think about how our country um, came into being. Um, Today is not only a holiday, but it's a time of huge divides in our country huge divide within our church, within churches, and even within our families. We disagree about politics, gender, race issues, and so many other things. Some of us, maybe even all of us, feel silenced, dismissed, and misunderstood by some of the others, um, someone on the other side even. So how do we as a church and how do we within our families care for each other amidst such huge divides? amidst the celebrations in the mornings. And sometimes those are even over the same things. Um, today we're going to look at Titus 3, 3 through 11 that Stephanie read for us. Um, 
And we're going to see um, the author's purpose in writing to this audience, our key biblical truth, um, is um, be devoted to harmonious relationships and good works because of God's kindness and love towards us. And the reason I say what the, the author's original purpose was is because when we read the Bible, the, there's an author that was writing to a specific purpose, to a specific people or person. And then we have to say, okay, what is that purpose? And then what is that same purpose for us today? <clears throat> so we're going to look at the his- historical part of this. So there's in, in chapter 1, verse 1, we see, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to God- godliness. So Paul is the author of Titus. And then he's writing to Titus um, in verse 4, we see, to Titus, my true son in our common faith. Um, And then uh, the reason that he's writing to Titus is in verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was to to set right what was left undone as I directed you, to appoint elders in every town. And then we'll see in chapters, in the rest of chapter 1 and in chapter 2, that we're going to skip because we're going to chapter 3. but he's talking about what is, the, what is the, the lifestyle and the teaching of these elders? What is their actions and doctrine? And so we'll see that throughout, like even the passage we're going to read, this like doctrine and action. And this, there's never, they're never separated from each other. Um, and uh, oh, the other reason I was going to say is that this original, the, why we want to pay attention to what is the original author's intent is because there's this trend today to say that the Bible can mean something different to all of us. And so we can each read it and it means this to me, that to you. And that's not true. That like what the Bible, we have to go, what is the author's intent? And then what is that same exact thing for us? That it can't just be something, it's not going to say one thing to Titus and then say something completely different to us today. Um, and so we look at this historical point in time of what he said, and then um, and that's what it means for us. And before you start saying, well, he said elders. He's, he's appointing elders in these towns, so I'm not an elder. It doesn't, doesn't apply to me. Not true. So when we look at the elder, the shepherds, um, we look at a few years ago, Solano installed elders, and so they are under shepherds of Jesus. And the same is true for all of us. In some way, there's people that we're shepherding in our lives. We're under shepherds of Jesus too. So if you're a home group leader, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're an aunt and uncle, um, even like this kind of peer-to-peer that we're like mutually shepherding each other, this is for us. So our, um, okay, so we're going to chapter Titus 3, verse 3. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. I love how Stephanie's Bible said that people hated us and we hated one another. It's not just this like kind of thing. Hate. <laughs> um, and this, the summary for this, for this verse is there was striving after pleasures and strife in relationships. Um, and we kind of look at that word enslaved. Um, that they're like this enslaved. And so it's easy. Okay. So enslaved that we've been freed from that, that before we couldn't not sin. And now that, that power of sin has been broken in our life and it's possible for us not to sin. Um, but when I'm honest about my life, there are places experientially where there are, there are sins in my life where I feel like I cannot beat them. Um, and it's easy for me to read a passage, to read a verse like this and to just intellectually say, oh, that's true, for I was once, and now I'm not. But the truth is that there's parts that, that still are. And so um, I can read it like in the, like kind of just intellectually of like, that's not true, now I'm this. There's another way I can read it is I can just feel really guilty and like confess all these sins of places where I'm envy and hateful and um, the passions, where I see passions and pleasures in my life. But today I want us to look at it a third way also. 
that those two are true, but also this, that I want us to see those, when we see those in our life, to see them as like warning lights on the dashboard of a car of like what is going on beneath that. Um, an example of what I mean by this is there was a time in my life where I felt envious of, of a few different people. And I started looking at just, I just kind of said, if, and I've been praying about it, God, please help and not ruin these relationships. Um, please forgive me for this envy. But then I just looked at that envy and I, and I took it for a moment and looked at it and said, you know, why am I envious? What is going on here? And I found out when I looked at that envy that there were places in my life of where I was jealous of the things that these other people had. And God showed me by um, looking at that envy, that like there's places of where he has given me something better than the thing that I'm saying, I want that of theirs, that he's given me something better for me. And there's so many times where God says no to us in one area so that he can say yes to something else better in our lives. Um, and so by looking at like what those things are in us, of like what those, um, the, the, the passions, the pleasures, they, we talk a lot about, about at Solano about what are those idols. And so when we see passions and pleasures in our lives that we can't break free from, like what is going on below the surface um, and for us to pay attention to what's underneath. In verse four, um, but when the kindness of God, our savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy. So our second point is um, God's kindness and love towards us is demonstrated in Jesus, our savior and sealed by the Holy Spirit, that it begins with the kindness of God and his love for people, for us, um, and is expressed in Jesus, that God is the one who saves us. Um, and he didn't save us because of our good works. He saved us because of his own mercy. Um, so verse five is, um, so he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, that God has washed us. He has made us new. It is something that has been done, but there's also God continually renews us through the Holy Spirit, that it's an ongoing work also. Um, and it doesn't end there. Um, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our savior. And that word abundance, it's, it's lavish. It's almost more than enough. Um, so having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs to the hope of eternal life. And I love that, that hope. It's not just, it's not a maybe it'll happen. It's a for sure thing that will happen because of God's grace. We are justified. We are purified and may become heirs with a sure hope of eternal life. They were not saved by, because we have harmonious relationships, we are saved by God's grace. Um, God's kindness is demonstrated to us in Jesus and his love for people and the spirit renewing us. That's what turns us from the striving after these passions and strife and relationships that we then are to devote ourselves to good works and harmonious relationships. Um, verse eight. So our third point is that we devote ourselves to good works and harmonious relationships. Um, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are perfect and profitable for everyone. So a year ago, when I picked this passage for a class of mine, um, I thought it was going to say that right theology leads to good works. And I wanted to study that a little bit more. Um, when I said Jason and I were missionaries of this church, we um, were urban missionaries. And so we were doing a lot of like the good works in this area. And so I wanted something that kind of like put back what we were doing. But as I have looked at this, um, it's not only that the love of God in the in right theology of like what Jesus has done for us leads to good works, but it also leads to harmonious relationships. 
Um, and I tried, I will tell you, I tried to separate these. Then after I studied it a bit, then I tried to say, well, um, maybe we should be devoted to just harmonious relationships because of, what, because of God's kindness and love for us. We can't separate them. It is, it is both of those. It has to be good works and the harmonious relationships. Um, and so not only are we to do good works, uh, but we are to avoid foolish debates, quarreling, and arguing. Um, so verse 9. This is where it gets really hard. (laughs) I just will tell you. Um, But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. That when we look at that, the genealogies and the disputes about the law, it seems to be this like religious biblical component. And in my experience, when we are talking about things that are biblical or whatever, like that's the time when we are sometimes the meanest to each other. Um, That we have this, this view of like, I'm right on this, and so I can treat the other person I'm right, so I have to just like really go at it. I keep punching, sorry. <laughs> um, but, um, but we just treat each other horribly because we're right, or we think that we're right. Um, so does that mean then, do we not talk about them at all? Do we just like, does harmonious mean just keep it all up on the, you know, keep it all on the up and up and all just be, get along and just not talk about anything? No, it does not. But it's how we have the conversations that we need to be curious, that we need to give the other the benefit of the doubt, and we need to check our, check our assumptions, that we need to pay attention to what's going on inside of us, that we can't have this biblical conversation out here and not pay attention to what's going on inside of us, because when we do, whether it's about that issue or something else, it just hijacks the conversation. And we think we're talking about one thing, and there's like all this stuff stirring in us, and it just the conversation just goes all over the place. First um, Timothy 4.16 in the NIV says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. It's not okay for us to have good doctrine, but then to be jerks about how we have that good doctrine. Um, when we were kind of, one of the council members, Paul, and I were talking about um, kind of who we were looking for to be on the council. And one of the things that he commented was, they can't have good theology and yet be arrogant. It's, it's all about how we hold that doctrine. Um, so we need to watch our life and our doctrine closely. There's a lot of topics right now as a church, the community around us, in our families. There's a lot of topics that we, um, for us to debate and quarrel and argue about. In the same way that I am tempted to read that first, that first verse, verse three, um, kind of intellectually and just say, oh, that's not true about me and this is true about me. It's easy for me to, um, to read, to, to kind of look at some of these, these topics and just um, to keep them at that intellectual level, to just like to deal with that and not what's going on underneath. Um, and so there's a temptation to just kind of have those on an intellectual level and not hear people's stories. And so I want to challenge us to hear stories of people that are impacted by the conversations that we're having, these intellectual, these doctrine kind of, um, conversations. So one of these theological issues, um, that, that people don't always agree about is the Bible caring for the oppressed and for the poor, um, and caring about racial inequalities is part of us in caring for the poor, that God is on the side of the oppressed. It's not just, it's not just racial things that we see these racial inequalities when we talk about homelessness, when we talk about sex trafficking, education, incarcerated. Um, and kind of one of, these, one of these examples of listening to somebody's story, um, we had been in the pandemic. I hadn't seen one of my friends. Um, she stopped by and we had our masks on outside. It was right after George Floyd was murdered. And um, she said to me, she said, why does this happen to people who look like me? And in that moment, when I heard her story, when I heard that comment from her, I felt what it's like to feel 
to be her, the burdens that she cares, carries, and that, that people don't care about what happens to people who look like me. Um, that being devoted to harmonious relationships means that we listen to the wounds underneath, the wounds that sometimes we've caused. Um, and just how, do we, how do we go about getting that empathy? That sometimes we just, there's just such a disconnect, we don't understand the, one, the person on the other side. Um, so for me as a woman in, in male-dominated settings, that sometimes I know what it likes to be, to, what, it, what it feels like to feel unheard or to feel misunderstood. That, like when we talk about age, that there's some of us that it's like we're either too young or we're too old and people just, we feel dismissed because of that. Single, married, um, but I want us to do the hard work of listening to each other's stories. That we make a lot of assumptions about each other. Um, and kind of in this, this time where it's, it's hard to like get together, it's hard to like hear people's stories that we can read books about people where they've, where they've laid it out for us. Um, what, a book that's been really helpful to me, if you were at the women's retreat a few years ago, you heard me, you've heard me mention this several times, um, but there's a book called Reconciliations, Reconciliation Blues by a man, Ed Gilbreth. Um, and he, he was at the EFCA National Conference in uh, 2007. He was in one of the breakout sessions. And he was sharing about a book he just read, a book he just wrote. And um, he shared the, the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And um, when he got to, to Daniel 4.27, he, he said, um, like you can read it, uh, but it's, it's just talking about like God's prophetic judgment against Nebuchadnezzar was due to his oppression for the poor. And for me in that moment, I realized, oh, it's just in all my reading and studying of scripture, I just hadn't really seen God's, um, like that oppression for the poor is a big deal to him. Um, And so as I um, picked up his book and read it, um, it's called Reconciliation Blues, A Black Evangelical's Inside View of White Christianity. So for me, as a white evangelical, I I read this book and I I saw this mirror put up to my life of, of things that I have believed, things that I have taught, things that I have not taught. Um, especially in like a Bible study kind of setting. <clears throat> and he's just such, that is such a gracious man that it's really, it was easy for me to hear what he was saying. And there's a lot of voices around us, especially right now of people just being so angry. And I, and I understand that. Like I get when like you've said something for however many times and people don't believe you or don't listen, where you don't feel heard, you don't feel listened to, um, that it, it's really easy to get angry. So I'm, I'm not judging the anger part of it, I especially in the pandemic, understand this with my kids of saying it over and over, and then I just get angry. Um, so I can't even imagine, like in, in like a racial way, or in some of these other issues, like I can't imagine. Like it's just easy to get angry. Um, and if you do take me up and read this book, I would love to hear your thoughts. Sometimes when I read a book like this, I want to interact and say, "But what about?" or whatever. And so if you read this book, I would love to talk to talk through it with you of what you don't like, what you disagree with, whatever. Um, <clears throat> Uh, but also like another part of this of like when we're looking at this divisiveness of where we disagree on things, um, especially on theological kind of things. Um, how are the, how is the person reading scripture? Um, there's an easy, it's really easy for us to say they don't love Jesus as much as I do, or they're not as smart as me. Um, and so for us to just, to just check those assumptions and just to, to find out like, how are they reading things? Um, uh, for Jason and I, when we um, were doing urban ministry, one of the, so we had youth groups that would come to town and do mission trips, and we'd house them in a church, a couple different churches actually in Oakland. And the pastors of one of those churches, his congregation was poor, pretty much poor women, uh, poor black women. And um, as we'd go to these Bible studies with him, he'd say these same stories that I've heard tons and tons of times, but the way that he would interpret it, the things that he would say, I would go, I've never heard that before. And then I'd go and look at it and I'm like, oh no, sure enough, it's in there. Um, and so um, just how are people reading scriptures? 
Um, another caution for us, I just want to say, just take a moment for those of us who are leaders, whether it's like a home group leader or um, we have some kind of position, is for us to not dismiss the other side of I know more. Um, especially for us to be careful if we have a position or a personality that we don't shut others down and just tell them this is the right thing to believe and not leave room for questions because it's in those questions that people really get to the heart of things. And I, so for me as a, a, um, in our ministry that I would do this with our staff, um, that they would come in and they'd start saying things and I just would want to tell them, no, that's not right. You got to believe this instead. But when I would just hold my anxiety and I could shut my mouth and listen to them and hear where they're coming from, that I was able to hear their heart behind things. And instead of winning this one moment and saying, no, believe this, that I would get to their heart and I would hear um, whatever those things were that were stirring in them. And, and sometimes when I would listen to our staff, like even though I'm the one with the this, 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 I would listen to them and I would be challenged on things. Um, and I would say, oh, that's a place where I've been believing where something else is getting in there and it's not just what is what the Bible is teaching? It's other things that are added to it. Um, and so there's this place for us to to to, to learn too. I want to say by listening, we are not agreeing, um, but it's through our convictions that God is on the side of the poor. So kind of for me in some of these conversations, that for me to say my conviction is that God is on the side of the poor, that Jesus, a Jewish man who lived 2,000 years ago, was crucified. He was executed, wrongfully executed by the powers of the time, um, and he was raised to life. And when I look at the kindness of God's love towards me in that, then that helps me in the kindness that I show to other people. And because of that, when I look at God's kindness to me, then I can... I can question or I can oppose people in ways that brings harmony, um, not just the surface harmony, but the, the true harmony that going through the conversations. Um, it's not this like fake agreement on the surface. Um, unity is not uniformity. Um, and there's kind of this, um, as I was talking to a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, talking about like this messy house, that it's like, if we're going to get to those home harmonious relationships, it's through these conversations. Um, so verse nine um, avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they're unprofitable and worthless. worthless. These kinds of debates, these religious quarreling and other kind of quarreling over things, they don't draw people to God and they also don't help us to grow. When we have this, I'm right and they're wrong, then we don't grow from it either. But when we can step back and, and have a conversation about it instead of this debate and arguing and quarreling, then we can both learn. On, there's, there's places for us to all learn on, on these things. Um, and then reject a divisive person at a first and second warning. Uh, that, that's the, the, our fourth point. And in verse 10, we read, uh, reject, a divisive, um, reject a divisive person at a first and second Reject by a person at a first and second warning, for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. And this word divisive, it's not that we just say, oh, there's a divisive person that we excuse it. Um, it's a serious thing. Um, and, it, and reject. Reject feels very strong. But if we look at verse 11, it says they're self-condemned, that it's something that like they're rejecting themselves. There's also a temptation for a divisive person to just um, to like leave them out because they're divisive and it's hard. But it says to warn that there's, again, there's that conversation with them. It's not fighting them, but it's a conversation with them. Um, so in conclusion, we need to be devoted to one another. Be devoted to harmonious relationships and good works because of God's kindness and love towards us. 
And I will tell you, as I have looked at this, this passage, I've, I've really tried to separate those two, but it's, it's both, that it's we're listening to the conversations, and it's not just the conversations, but there's the good works that come with it too. There's these actions that we take, the way that we act in the world because of being devoted to these relationships, these harmonious relationships, um, that's, that's listening, that's really hearing the other person. And, and just kind of like, we're not doing the head-to-head, the intellectual, and disagreeing or even... Of course, not disagreeing, but the, the conversations. It's not the intellectual head-to-head. It's the heart-to-heart where we're listening, where we're hearing, like, where is their heart on this thing? Um, so in kindness, in his kindness and love, God saved us. And that may be the step that you need to take today. Or you might need to be renewed by the Holy Spirit so that you can have harmonious relationships and good works. Um, so the things that I want us to, to, search our, to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts on, um, where is there enslavement in your life where you seem unable to get free from pursuing pleasure and where you see envy, ill will, and hatred? And kind of as I was saying before, that there's, there's places where we confess it. There's places where we say, what's the, the warning light on the dashboard? Like, what is God stirring in me? Um, in your own heart and life, not only your life and your actions, but where in your heart is there quarreling, debating, and arguing over spiritual issues or other issues that are really important to you? Um, what's going on below, beneath the surface? Um, is there some work there that, that the Holy Spirit wants to, to have you do? And then see, um, and then lastly, um, where, where is there divisiveness in yourself or in someone else that you need to warn? And to ask for God's timing on how to do this, um, timing and how to do this. Um, but we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are a new creation, as, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, and there's new ways for us to relate to one another.